love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hey, so I just got a text from uh, Amazon, I guess, <laughs> saying that my system has locked because of suspicious activity, and I need to click this link to verify my password. That's so weird, because you and I have two Amazon accounts, mm-hmm. one for us and one for just me, mm-hmm. And because sometimes I want to buy things and you can't <laughs> know about it. Hi. So um, I got a message about that, too. That both of our account. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. So weird. But you, the only way to resolve it is to click the link. Well, yeah, I didn't so. realize though that Amazon was logging in with Mozilla Firefox from Russia. So weird. That's so strange. <laughs> Boy, they truly are a global company, aren't they? <laughs> yep. Not sketchy at all. No. I just wanted to give you an update. Currently, there is a three-way tie between the uh, three charities on Patreon. The Marine Mammal Center is at 33%, Alzheimer's Foundation of America, 33%, and Careers Through Culinary Arts Program, 33%. We have five days left for voting. I just plan on giving you updates throughout the recording of this episode. So you're talking about the uh, 10% charitable donation that uh, we do every month on Patreon that our inner circle of freaks, well, actually the order of freaks in general, get to uh, make that decision. So when you subscribe to the box of oddities on patreon you are responsible i know it's a lot that we are asking of you but you're responsible for choosing the charity that we donate to that month and uh as i said right now there's a three-way tie also there's uh landscaping being done outside our window right and uh i think that we need to point out as well we didn't think this through there is a helicopter tour company right next door to the building that we live in and uh we're recording right in the middle of the day so we're probably going to get incoming chopper sounds from time to time. (laughs) There is a lot going on this morning. Oh my God, I'm going to get to my story here. Do you remember one of our earlier episodes? You did the story about the Blue Fugates of Kentucky. Yeah, the blue people. Yes, they were the people whose skin was blue. Uh, Over a century, this Appalachian family passed along an exceedingly rare genetic blood condition that turned their skin blue. I saw uh, Papa Smurf, who is like the... uh, the 
patriarch of the remaining blue fugates on like Oprah once. Uh And he was very blue. Papa Smurf. Well, here's another story about blue people, but this one does not involve hereditary conditions. In fact, the cause confounded experts for quite a while. Ooh. It happened in Manhattan in the 1940s. 11 men turned sky blue, not just a pale blue, but like bright, bright blue. And it was weird enough that one person turned sky blue, but for 11 to turn sky blue and show up individually at the same hospital uh, in a short period of time, all in the same day, alarmed and confused the medical staff. It began on September 25th, 1944, eight o'clock in the morning. A passerby noticed an elderly man who was kneeling over in agony. The man looked disheveled, and a lot of people just thought he was, you know, a a drunk. He then slumped over to the ground with intense abdominal cramping. A police officer that was nearby witnessed this and ran over to him, again, thinking probably he was a drunk. Um, But he got there, and he saw a very strange thing. The man's lips, ears, nose, and fingertips were sky blue. Okay, so whatever the blueness is, is also painful? It is. And uh, he was rushed to the nearest hospital. It only took a few minutes to get there. But then in that short amount of time, he had become unconscious. (gasps) And the blue from his nose and fingertips had spread to cover most of the skin on his body. They didn't know what they were dealing with at the hospital. So they did the best they could. They pumped his stomach. They gave him oxygen therapy and uh, prescribed bed rest. The treatment seemed to work, and soon he regained consciousness. But he was unable to give them any clues as to what might have happened to him. They thought maybe it was carbon monoxide poisoning. Okay. Because this was the 1940s in Manhattan, and it was full of exhaust fumes. Uh, There was very little concern. It was a smoggy place. It was a very smoggy place, and it was overcrowded. Thinking that the case had been solved, they went about their daily routine. But it wasn't long before several more blue people stumbled into the hospital emergency room. In fact, the first guy showed up at 8.30. By noontime, a total of nine men came in with the same symptoms. Are they all dudes? They're all dudes. They were all elderly, too. And they had varying degrees of blueness, but one patient in particular, a guy named John Mitchell, who was 72 years old, was completely blue from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And they still kept coming. At 645, another man came in with the same strange blue condition. Ten of the 11 men made complete recoveries. One, due to his age and the severity of his condition, passed away the following evening. Well, we don't even know what the condition is. Right, we don't know. And it only took one day for the Department of Health to receive a report from the hospital on this situation. And two different people were put on the case. They immediately started looking for something that would explain this strange phenomenon. The first thing they did was look at commonalities between the men. Sure. This is a mystery that is fun to solve. Unless unless you're dying, and then it's not fun, I would imagine, in any way. The first obvious thing was that they were all elderly men. Secondly, they discovered that they were all staying at cheap, rundown hotels. Uh-huh. Wait, oh. And the third thing they had in common was that they were all heavy drinkers. So based on the way that the symptoms presented, 
the health department ruled out carbon monoxide poisoning. Sure. It had been, if it had been carbon monoxide poisoning, then these guys all would have had to have been at the same place and there would have been more sick people and, you know, because... Yeah, the backgrounds would have been different. It wouldn't be just old, old men. Right. But then they discovered another commonality. And that was that all of these men got sick right after eating within a half an hour of each other. But it couldn't have been food poisoning because that would take up to 36 hours to incubate. These guys started getting sick within 30 minutes after eating. Right. And food poisoning doesn't turn you blue. Right. I mean, not that I know of. I am not an expert. Hey, I need to be upfront with you about this. I am not a food poisoning expert, but... From what I know of food poisoning, it doesn't turn you blue. If, if I had known this before we got married, we never would have gotten married. No, I don't blame you. <laughs> I was expecting to marry a food poisoning expert. <laughs> and the place that they had all eaten was a uh, place called the Eclipse Hotel. And they learned that the patients had all eaten the same thing at the same time. Okay, we're narrowing Wait. down the mystery. Yep, it was oatmeal that they all had. Oatmeal? Yeah. The health inspectors made a surprise visit to the Eclipse Hotel, and they described it as, quote, strictly a horse market and dirtier than most. Yeah. The uh, sort of place that you can get a full meal for 15 cents. This was 1940s, of course. And it did appear to be incredibly dirty. They found 15 sanitation violations in the kitchen and the mess hall. The place was full of roaches and... (laughs) flies and there was dirt on the tables and walls some of the utensils were encrusted with dirt and residue from a a sewage pipe leak but none of that would cause your skin to turn blue those were all horrible things Mm. but it wasn't the answer the owner of the hotel and his chief cook were very cooperative during the investigation the cook was extremely concerned because he thought that he had perhaps killed somebody and made so many people sick and he felt extremely bad about it. I I feel badly because you're saying that he feels badly, but obviously not badly enough to like clean stuff. <laughs> but because of his reaction and their willingness to help, the investigators didn't suspect anything had been intentionally done that would have caused these people to be sick. It wasn't okay. something nefarious. Sure. So they had blood samples taken from all the men and sent them in for overnight analysis. And the results suggested that somehow drugs were involved. But these men did not take illicit drugs. They preferred alcohol. Instead, they were not junkies. The cook had told the investigators that that morning, as he did every morning, preparing about six gallons of oatmeal to feed about 125 people, he said that maybe he had mixed up the salt with saltpeter as he was making the oatmeal. What so, is saltpeter? Saltpeter, according to uh, Wikipedia, is the natural mineral source of the chemical potassium nitrate. It's an inorganic chemical, but saltpeter would not have caused severe poisoning. Right. The investigators sent the canisters away that contained the salt and the saltpeter for testing. The results came back with a shocking revelation. Both canisters contained sodium nitrate. Now, back during World War II, sodium nitrate was used in the process of meat preservation, but it had to be carefully used and strictly rationed. In fact, you could only use one part sodium nitrate per 5,000 parts meat. Wow. Because it was really poisonous. Extremely so. But in that small amount, when you cooked the meat, it would neutralize any negative effects 
of consuming it. But oatmeal does not neutralize sodium nitrate? Well, the cook said as he made the oatmeal, he tossed in a handful of salt, which was in fact, they figured, about 100 grams of sodium nitrate. How does this happen? So instead of one part sodium nitrate to 5,000 parts food, in this case, it was one part sodium nitrate to 80 parts food before the cooking. And then the heat on the stove wasn't hot enough to cook off enough of the uh, sodium nitrate to, uh, to keep it from being poisonous. Okay. But why did only 11 guys suffer from poisoning? There were 125 people there. Right. And also, why did he have a bunch of that sodium nitrate just on hand in his kitchen? I don't know. Two canisters of it. Poorly labeled as well. Mm. And they sold all of their oatmeal that morning. 125 people consumed it. Investigators recreated the sodium nitrate oatmeal and they dished it out in six ounce servings, which was the amount that they were served individually that morning. Okay. They found that each bowl contained about two and a half grains of sodium nitrate. And it takes three grains to be toxic. Wow. That's just the difference of two and a half to three is whether or not you'll turn blue and keel over. So the 11 that got sick somehow ended up with an extra half grain of sodium nitrate. That's when the investigators discovered that there were 17 salt shakers in the dining room that morning. One had 37% sodium nitrate, which was more than enough to clear that half grain needed to cause poisoning. But who puts salt in their oatmeal? It was determined that these men, because they were pretty heavy drinkers, consequently suffered from a sodium deficiency. So it's likely that they were craving salt and they oversalted their food, increasing the amount of sodium nitrate from two and a half to three grains, effectively becoming the first incarnation of the Blue Man Group. This is... Some detective work. Some serious detective work. I am so thrilled by this. (laughs) My information came from How Stuff Works, The Vintage News, and War History Online. I want more. More oatmeal? No, thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And now, that thing in the middle. Several years ago, Polish TV reported that a man received in the mail his eligibility for military service notification. Not wanting to serve in the military, he began thinking of ways that he could get a medical deferment. At that moment, his cat scratched his arm, and that gave him an idea. Obviously, a cat scratch wouldn't be enough to get him deferred from military service, so he needed a bigger cat. The man then went to the local zoo and began taunting a lion. He then held his arm out, but instead of scratching his arm, the lion bit it off. Talk about instant karma. If stories like that interest you, check out our newest podcast, The Shallow End with Schneebly and Toth. The link is in the show notes. We got a message from Alec on Instagram. I'm sitting at McDonald's scrolling on Twitter when some 18 plus art comes across my feed. Gotta love Twitter. Mm-hmm. While listening to Box 445, I tilt my... I tilted my phone away quick so no one would see those naughties. When the curator stings through with, we were watching what you were doing during that story (laughs) Jethro just told. Damn you, turn us on. (laughs) No! (laughs) That's right. We know everything. I love it. (laughs) Dorothea sent us an email listening to Kat's tattoo fart story uh, that turned out to be not a fart in episode 453. I had to share my story as a victim of a fart assassination. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. Is what she said. Mm. Um, I worked in a store selling CDs and DVDs for many years. One time I was stocking the shelves and there was a customer. He was a nice looking man, maybe in his 60s, dressed in a long dark coat. He kind of looked like a CEO or a lawyer, a gentleman, if you will. I'd been walking back and forth a few times, so I assumed that he knew I was there, and I'd bend down behind him with a stack of DVDs, and he farted. No. A quick toot right in my ear. No. (laughs) I didn't stay long enough to know if it smelled. I practically ran to the back and cracked up laughing. I don't know if he knew I heard it, but I don't remember ever seeing him in that store again. Any hoozle, I always take it as a compliment if people can fart in my company. <laughs> if they are that comfortable, I must be nice to be around. Love from Denmark. Dorothea, P.S. I remember being truly disappointed at how small Lady Liberty was when I went there. I was sure it had a big restaurant in the crown. <laughs> Convinced I had seen pictures of it. Now I call her the Little Mermaid. That's fair. I think you're thinking of uh, the restaurant in the top of Cinderella's castle at Disney World. It's Cinderella Castle. Whatever. I've heard it both ways. Well, one way is wrong. (laughs) Kevin sent us an email. I'm a mobile nurse traveling the I-5 corridor from Portland to Roseburg, Oregon. Thank God for podcasts, and most importantly, yours. Oh, that's really nice. I was just listening to Box 455 just this morning. I was at a client's house who I've been seeing for a couple of years now. She was working on her computer while receiving her treatment, and I was listening to your podcast on my Bluetooth hearing aids. All of a sudden, we get to the part where Kat is trying to say regenerative. In my line of work, I've used this word quite a bit. Not understanding the problem, I attempt to say the word I've used several times in the past. The problem now is it's coming out of my mouth the same way Kat is saying it. <laughs> Suddenly, I can't say regenerative. W the actual F. <laughs> 
So I'm sitting here trying to say it over and over again, forgetting that not everyone is privy to the situation. <laughs> My client turns to me. I pause the cast and she asks if I'm having a stroke. <laughs> I say, I don't think so. But all of a sudden I can't say regenerative spoken in Catanese. See what I did there? Uh-huh. She says to me, do you mean regenerative? Pronounced like the rest of the English-speaking world. I said, yes, that's it. Anyway, I wouldn't consider this a boo effect. Maybe more like a computer virus in my brain. <laughs> I guess I need to update my Nortons. Anyway, thanks for making the miles go by quickly with your great cast. Keep up the great work, Kevin. Cat, you gave... I'm so sorry, Kevin. You gave Kevin a brain virus. <laughs> When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The one podcast that everyone in the family can agree on during a long summer trip in the car. Except Aunt Jean. You know what? Fuck Aunt Jean. This is The Box of Oddities. All right, uh, you got a story for me before the guy with the leaf blower comes back. <laughs> Big thanks to Breton, who sent me a message on Instagram suggesting this topic. It's the spring of 1942. The Polish armed forces in the East Army was created in the Soviet Union, but in March 1942, based on an understanding between British, Polish, and the Soviets, it was evacuated from the Soviet Union and made its way through Iran to Palestine. It's a newly formed group under the command of Vladislaw Anders, and they became known as Anders Army. They left the Soviet Union accompanied by thousands of Polish citizens who'd been deported to the Soviet Union following the 1939 Soviet invasion of eastern Poland. They stopped at a railway station in Hamidan, Iran, on April 8, 1942. They'd stopped to eat when they noticed a very poor-looking boy. They called the boy over to enjoy some of their food with them. And they noticed that he was wearing a neck bag, like a, a piece of burlap mm. tied around his neck. And inside, there was movement. Soon, 
they spotted that inside his neck bag was a tiny bear. What? A tiny bear. A a tiny... The word was that the bear's mother had been shot by hunters. I Um, I was thinking when you said a little bag around his neck, like one of those um, totems that people wear, you know, a little bag that's got some charms or something. Oh, sure. It's like the size, I don't know, maybe three, four inches. (laughs) And so I'm picturing this little tiny microscopic bear. He's so cute. (laughs) It's true. It was a bigger bag. Okay. But a pretty small bear. Obviously adorable. And the soldiers recognized that he would likely end up in a zoo. One of the civilian refugees in their midst, whose name was Inca, she was 18 years old, and she campaigned for buying the bear. After some pretty hearty negotiations, the boy ended up with some money, a chocolate bar, a big can of food, a Swedish military knife, and Anders' army ended up with a bear cub. The next three months... This bear cub spent in a Polish refugee camp, principally under Inca's care. In August, the bear was donated to the Second Transport Company, which later became the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, and he was named Wojtek by the soldiers. Wojtek. They nursed the bear with a bottle of condensed milk that they had crafted out of an old vodka bottle, (laughs) and the soldiers treated Wojtek like a baby. Wojtek is like a diminutive of the word for happy warrior, and it's actually a Slavic name that's still very common in Poland. And this bear continued with them through Iraq and into Egypt. As he got older, Wojtek was hanging out with a bad crowd. He would accept (laughs) lit cigarettes, take a puff off of them, and swallow them. It's one thing to train a bear to follow you around in an army battalion, but I draw the line at allowing him to smoke. Right? Agreed. Demeter Salugo, one of the soldiers who took care of the bear, once wrote, he loved to drink from a beer bottle. And when it was empty, he would look through the opening to see where the rest of the beer was. (laughs) But the bear was a real morale booster. They played tag together. The soldiers and... Wojtek would wrestle, and along the way, the Polish soldiers were accompanied by a British corps whose officers had a Dalmatian, and they became best friends. The bear and the dog? Yes. Aww. According to his handlers, Wojtek was quiet and very peaceful, but there was another bear that the soldiers adopted along the way, and a monkey that he did not like. (laughs) What is it with these guys? I don't know. It's like a traveling menagerie and artillery squad. Wojtek loved to shower. As you can imagine, it's pretty hot in Egypt Mm. and the other places that they were traveling. So Wojtek learned how to break into the communal shower huts and turn on the shower on his own. Now, of course, at this time, the water was rationed, and it would sometimes result in water shortages because this bear had taken, like, hour-long showers. (laughs) And sometimes he would keep an eye on the bath's entry door and sneak in when others had gone in a shower. And all of a sudden there's a bear in the shower with you. And he's like, yes, getting his shower on. A bear in the shower with you. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a title special to an episode special movie. Oh, like an adult film. Maybe. I want to hear from those of you who have showered with bears. I know a couple of our listeners in particular who have <laughs> stories about yeah, that. I'm sure, yeah. One time, Wojtek scooted inside to find not a fellow soldier in the shower, but a foreign spy. The spy ran out of the shower <laughs> and confessed everything with zero torture. 
And Wojtek was awarded a bath without any time limit because uh, well, hey. he, <laughs> he took care of that spy. Well done, Wojtek. Now, there did come a problem when the soldiers were boarding a ship to Europe in 1943. Soldiers were forbidden from bringing pets into theaters of operation. And by this point, of course, everyone was enmeshed with Wojtek. So they decided Wojtek needed to be a soldier. So the team formally enlisted him as a private with his own paybook and serial number. <laughs> He'd already caught a spy, so he was awarded the status of a soldier, though he was allotted twice the rations of a typical soldier. No, that's fair. Archibald Brown, General Montgomery's courier, recalled, I was present on Polish soldiers' appeal at which one soldier didn't come by. It was Corporal Wojtek. I wanted to know why he was so stubborn to not come in. And this lieutenant who was helping me asked, don't you think it's better to call him here and find out everything about him? I said, why not? Of course, we'll send two people to get him here. I thought, two people? That's strange. I was looking at the lieutenant whose face was getting paler and paler, <laughs> similarly to his sergeant's. I turned back and saw proudly standing there, Wojtek. It was amazing, really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fun little prank that they played. At this point, Henrik Zarkarowicz and Demeter Salugo were assigned his caretakers. By the time the army was stationed in Italy, supplying ammunition for artillery batteries, Wojtek was having a hard time. For the first time in his life, he was in the middle of war, and the noise was overwhelming for him, and he found it difficult to get out of his tent. But he closely observed his fellows nonetheless, and he would mimic the soldiers. When he saw the men lifting crates, he would copy them. He would lift crates? He would lift crates. He was helping unload trucks? Yeah. Wojtek carried boxes that normally required four men. Uh, which he would stack onto a truck with other ammunition boxes. Oh my God. There's a story that one day Wojtek came out of his tent, went to the supply point, got on two feet, held out his two enormous arms, and the astonished soldier who was dispensing ammunition stared at him until he decided to trust Wojtek and gave him a crate of missiles <laughs> that... I guess if Wojtek had dropped, would have killed everyone. But oh um, Wojtek took it and two-footed delivered it to the artillery batteries. Then he came back, delivered another box, and so on and so forth. He never dropped the loads. He never failed. Though Henrik, another member of the 22nd Transport Company, said that the bear was really just carrying empty ammo crates and was cleaning up the space rather oh. than carrying boxes of missiles. <laughs> That's makes me feel a little better. Yeah. The press corps had a field day with the image regardless, and the bear became a cult hero. The regiment changed its insignia to the image of a bear and an ammo shell. It's pretty cute, actually. There's a movie that's been made about Wojtek, a bear named Wojtek. And according to Brendan Foley, an author who worked on the film, when the war was over and the unit was demobilized, there was kind of a political tug of war about who got to keep Wojtek. Mm. The bear's caretakers didn't want him to go back to Poland because they were afraid that the Soviet-controlled government would adopt the bear as a symbol for communism. And that was what they'd been fighting against. So they didn't want that. 
So Wojtek ended up in Scotland in a village called Hutton in Berkshire on a farm where he lived with other former Polish fighters who were being lodged there temporarily after the war until he was resettled in Edinburgh Zoo. Former members of his unit would visit him at the zoo, which is really sweet, but oftentimes they would throw cigarettes at him for him to eat. (laughs) Well, he was probably badgering them for a smoke. (laughs) He lived there until his death in 1963 at the age of 21, um, which he had a lot of esophageal problems, which is probably from him eating cigarettes all the time. Mm, or, Or smoking. Or smoking. There are many statues and memorials for Wojtek and a slew of people, as well as streets and preschools named after him. That is the most adorable mental imagery I think that I've experienced in quite some time. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I went through the list of memorials and statues dedicated to Wojtek, and there are so Many and they're scattered all around the world. And I just, I love how universally this bear was beloved. I got my information from Wikipedia, obviously, Business Insider, Time Magazine, and historyofyesterday.com. Also, wanted to give you an update. Alzheimer's Federation of America and Careers Through Culinary Arts Program have moved ahead with 40% each. (laughs) The Marine Mammal Center has fallen behind with only 20% of the votes. United to Beat Malaria, still at 0%. Again, Kat is referencing the monthly charitable donation. 10% of of the Patreon proceeds goes to a uh, charity of our patrons, Choice. And if you would like to join in, support the podcast, and lots of excellent organizations, just go to our website, theboxofoddities.com, click on support this podcast. Thank you so much for doing that and for voting. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. Do you think they're done leaf blowing yet? <laughs> and so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2022 All rights reserved Regenerative Tiv Regenerative 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 Oh fuck what the fuck? What the fuck? I can see it, and it, I make it happen in my head. <laughs> regenerative. 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 There you go. <sighs> can we start that over again? Sure. All of a sudden, we get to the part where Kat is trying to say regenerative. Regenerative. <laughs> <laughs> regenerative. 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 Yeah. We get to the part where Kat is trying to say regenerative. Oh, you did it. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. 
Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.